0: Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing.
1: All right, for the last hour of the show today, going to have a little bit of fun. Going to uh, uh, bring you uh, a special edition podcast that I do with my buddy. We're going to roll it out to you today. It's called the Degenerate Hawkeyes Podcast. You can uh, catch it. Oh, well, during the summertime is going to be a little bit less, but iTunes, Stitcher, favorite podcast app, whatever it may be, uh, just check it out, Degenerate Hawkeyes. We're going to talk a lot of spring football here, and my buddy Biz that I do the uh, show with, he is also a lawyer, so he is going to give us some special insight today coming up on the Jane Meyer case. That continues on here in just a moment. Hope you enjoy it.
2: Ah was that, Ace? Hey, the
0: ah 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 ah
1: back once again after a couple of weeks away. The Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast back with you. Trent and Biz talking the world of the Iowa Hawkeyes for the next oh, 40 minutes or so. Biz and uh, Friday night Kittick Stadium. It was good crowd on hand. Fun environment it looked like and well the defense looked pretty good.
3: Yet another uh, exhilarating Iowa spring game Trent. So Every year I, uh, I go to them and every year I, I walk away thinking that was not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. So you know, you think I'd learn by now that uh, Iowa spring games are what they are. They're always going to be very vanilla. They're uh, they're not going to show a lot. Anybody that's uh, proven themselves in the past is not going to play a lot, um, and it's never a real pretty product. But uh, you know, I think there were a lot of things to take away, both uh, good and bad. And you know. Just not a lot of exciting action on the field,
1: I would say. No, no, no doubt about that. And we're going to get into a, a couple of the components here. So we've seen this team each uh, one time during the spring period, and I watched it on BTN. Uh, walked away with you know some of the many of the same reservations that we had, but I guess he kind of got a kick at the top, and it's the position everybody talks about. It's the most important position in sports. It is a quarterback position, and uh, I'm going to start with Nathan Stanley disappointed i am disappointed in the play that i've seen out of him after what we saw what we heard from him a year ago coming in getting that backup job as a true freshman i certainly expected a lot more than what we've seen this spring
3: yeah he's definitely got a long ways to go he is certainly not a uh finished product i think people kind of uh based on the very few times we got to see him last year and the one long pass he completed against North Dakota State, you know people's expectations were probably uh Off kilter a little bit because, you know, very rarely do true freshman quarterbacks play for Iowa. And and the times he did play, he seemed to handle it pretty well. So I think our expectations, we probably need to uh, taper them down a little bit on Stanley. And, and, and Trent, to me, when you watch those two uh, on Friday night, I was baffled how everybody, you know, all the different sports fighters and everybody came away. And everybody's take was that it's a, a tight competition um it, it technically yes it is but if you watch just that game on friday i don't know how you could come away from that not realizing that uh Uyghurs right now at least is is significantly better than him. yeah i mean i mean Uyghurs to me you watch the two on on friday night Uyghurs had two poor passes both of them were were unfortunately picked off and returned uh a long ways by our our new uh defensive hero jake gervas but uh other than those two passes, I thought leaguers did a really nice job. I thought he uh he handled himself with composure he seemed much more comfortable in the pocket he uh made the right reads he made good passes um I thought he did a good job other than those two you know on the on the other hand, I thought stanley uh boy it was it was ugly all around i mean I think he threw a total of seventeen passes for for thirteen yards oh. um and if you look at the eleven incompletions he had Trent I would say. 8 or 9 of them were were completely uncatchable balls. I mean balls that uh you could be the greatest wide receiver in the, the NFL and you weren't going to catch them because he didn't throw it within a a 2 foot radius of the wide receiver. So it, it, he he didn't look comfortable at all. And that that's my biggest concern because you know if if you're comfortable and you're just not making plays, you, know, you can chalk that up to just a bad day. But boy, I just his footwork his uh comfort level, you know, usually when you walk away from an Iowa spring game, one of the things that always worries me is that we just don't have anybody with any separation. And actually I thought two or three different times we had guys that, that broke pretty open on um, plays and we just didn't see them. And usually that was Stanley that was missing them. So he's a work in progress. I mean, I think everybody needs to kind of take a step back. But to be honest, if, if I think if people are being honest to themselves at this point. I think it's Weger's job to lose. I mean, I think if, if you flip the situation around and, and – you know, Stanley had Weger's numbers and Weger's had Stanley's numbers. I think everybody would say that this is a, uh, a slam dunk and Stanley's, Stanley's the quarterback. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm hoping Stanley will uh, step it up and, and improve significantly over the next four months. But right now, I certainly would not be comfortable with him uh, as our quarterback uh, day one in September.
1: Yeah, raw talent-wise, yeah, Stanley certainly has the edge there. The The physicality that he has, just the sheer size of the guy. And arm strength he has those things, but the motion is a little bit funky. you wonder you know if O'Keefe's trying to work through some things there you know that's another component we just don't know is with the new quarterbacks coach with the new offensive coordinator and what he's going through as a quarterback as well, and maybe that has stunted his development a little bit as he's trying to work through a couple of different things but you're right i i've I walked away saying the same thing and and I think there's people that are just uh they're they're clouded a little bit from what happened last year, what happened in august when Stanley came in and won that backup job, and uh, because of that, Weegers, he's made a lot of improvement from what that guy was. Seeing him a couple of years ago, you know, as a freshman and, and during spring practices and things like that, he's come a long ways. And, and at the very least, I think with with Ken O'Keefe there and how he has been able to consistently throughout his career get guys ready as first year starting quarterbacks, I think I'd feel more confident if the, when the announcement is made and it's going to sound like it won't be till August till we officially hear it. But if it's Tyler, Tyler Wiegers, I think I'll feel pretty confident with him being the guy, if he does get that job, and feel pretty good about it for the Hawks.
3: Well, to me, there's an easy comparison to make with, with Tyler Wiegers. It's a comparison that I think most people will roll their eyes and say, oh, no. But when you think about it, it's not it's not a bad thing. To me, Wiegers reminds me a lot of Jake Rudock. You're looking at a guy who's, they have the same major, um, they're both, Heavy be doctors are obviously both very intelligent guys. Um I think they both have a very good grasp of the offense and, and what the uh the coaching staff wants them to do. Um and they also both have kind of the limited talent level. I mean neither one of them have cannons for arms, neither one of them are gonna uh you know, thread the needle and, and, and beat people uh that way, but, but they're not gonna uh you know they're gonna make the right reads and they're gonna get people into the right plays and you know, I know Jake Rudock is kind of a, a whipping boy for the Iowa fan base, but he did a lot more good than bad as a quarterback here. And to be honest with you, if he hits uh, one long pass in the Nebraska game, he's probably a three-year starter here. I mean, yeah. people forget we were up by two touchdowns and uh, looking at a really good end of the year. Um, and Ruddock, Ruddock, uh did not play well that game. He threw a couple of interceptions in the red zone, and he hit, missed a wide open uh, – 80 yard touchdown in the second half, and then the wheels fell off at that point, and you know the rest of the story. Everybody knows that he never uh, never recovered from that. But so I mean, to me, Uyghurs reminds me a lot of him. You know, they both uh, they both limited talent wise, but they're both good quarterbacks. Um, Stanley, on the other hand, the guy here kind of reminds me of so far. Um, it's kind of a blast from the past, Trent, but he reminds me in some ways of a uh, Dan McGuire, because uh, yeah. if you remember mark mcguire's brother uh came to iowa he was considered to be the uh, next great thing he had an absolute cannon for an arm but unfortunately uh he used that cannon for <laughs> every single pass whether it was a touch pass uh you know a, a check off anything like that and that kind of reminds me of stanley right now he's just no touch whatsoever right now and hopefully that will develop and, and get better in the next four or five months but right now uh like I said, he's got a long ways to go he uh, he doesn't look real comfortable, so but I agree if if Uyghurs is the quarterback come september uh you know I think that's that's fine and you know to be honest with you, I think everybody the fan base, probably the coaching staff everybody you know kind of hopes Stanley's going to be the guy' because he can step in and be a three year starter but uh he's certainly not at that that level or that ready to go at this point
1: well uh the running game we know is going to be in great shape with Ackerman Wadley back there. Torrin Young looked good. Really, our first look at him. uh, Impressed with him. Physical, big back, and and really could uh, power forward. Tokes, you know, nice backup running back. They're in good shape there. Running game, real no questions there. I I guess anything jump out to you that uh, you looked at there in the run game?
3: No, I was just I was really impressed with Torrin Young. I I, you know three things. I thought he was very decisive. You know, he uh, he's a one cut guy. So I mean, as soon as he makes his decision, he hits the hole hard. Um, powerful runner, and the thing I really liked about him, you know, he's a guy that almost always fell forward, you know if he was going to get, you know, he got hit at two yards down the field, he pushed it pushed the pile forward and got another yard or two almost every single time, and you know, that's, that's important in Iowa football because we put ourselves in a lot of uh, you know, third and short situations and we need a guy who can move the pile and get that extra yard or two, and he did that multiple times on Friday night, so I was impressed with him Tokes, uh, you know, I I think he'll he's a guy that, you know, I think he'll only get better with time. He's obviously got some elusiveness and some quickness, but uh, he's not as decisive as, as young right now, clearly, and both of them, I think, look uh, at least serviceable as, as backup running backs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, run blocking looked very good. We know the offensive line is in great shape. Myers, Render, Daniels, Welsh, and Becker left to right. Uh, they'll be in good shape there still. Uh, you kind of combine it with the passing game. Th- this offensive line is not going to be great in pass protection. They just aren't. Uh, Boone Myers is not your prototypical left tackle. Doesn't have the requisite uh, speed to get passed out there on some speed rushers, but... But overall, they kind of are what they are. You know what they're going to be able to do, and that's run block incredibly well. Now comes into who's going to catch the football. And uh, that question remains a big, big concern.
3: Yeah, it does. And before we touch base on I will say on the offensive line, you and I have talked about it in the past, but kind of the the dirty little secret of of Iowa football the last couple of years is, is this old line hasn't been as good as it probably should have been um you know especially like you said in pass protection i think they've given up you know 30 or more sacks each of the last two years um they've really struggled with picking up uh you know stunts and and blitzes and, and things like that and you think that those coast state game i mean they just looked lost late in the game trying to pick up uh the different delayed blitzes and stunts that north coast state was doing um you know run blocking has been good but you know I, a couple weeks ago, Scott Dockerman wrote an article for his Land of Ten website that I thought was really interesting that we hadn't touched on before. He talked about the O-line and our struggles with short yardage plays last year. And it's pretty incredible the stats that he threw out there. Nobody really mentioned it. But what he found out was that in short yardage situations, so third and three or less, we had those situations 49 times last year. So you know, about four times a game. Um, in those forty-nine situations, we ran the ball forty times. In the forty runs, we ran a total forty runs for fifty-six yards in those situations. Hmm. You know, part of that is due to just predictability—that everybody and their, their mom knew what was coming and they loaded the box and they stopped it. But also, part of that is just—you know—this line wasn't as good at just pushing people off the ball as, as we've come to anticipate with, with Iowa football. That stat, 40 runs for 56 yards, was 126 out of 128 in those short yardage situations as far as yard per run. The other nine times, Trent, we tried to pass the ball nine times, with a total of one completion on those nine times. So when you combine the fact that we were 126 out of 128 running the ball in short yardage and we were one for nine passing, I think you can make a pretty good argument that we may have been worst in the nation last year at, uh, short yardage situations. And, and at least part of that blame has to go on the offensive line. So, so that's something that, you know, pretty, pretty simple. That's something that if you can clean up and fix, we're going to be a better team because we're in those situations a lot. And we've got to get to a point where, uh, you know, we move the pile and get those two, three yards when we need them. So, so I think the O line, you know, I think people kind of gloss over it as, as it's just going to be a real strength of this team. And, and I agree that it can be, but, uh, it needs to improve. They have been they have been good in certain situations but certainly not great in the last 2 years and it's time they're all they're all veterans they've all played they're all back this year. That line needs to make a jump from being good to great this year if this team's going to be a be a, a above average football team.
1: So uh one other thing on the offense, uh we'll get into the pass catchers here in a moment. But uh, those numbers are damning. So new offensive coordinator, we know this. We know uh, Brian taking over, Ken O'Keefe coming back, those kind of things. Did you see anything uh, much different? Uh, Just watching it on TV, I didn't see a whole lot of differences out there. And it's just so hard. you got two scholarship wide receivers. It's hard to expect them to incorporate a lot of different things this quickly. What did you walk away thinking just uh, schematically about things?
3: Two things jumped out to me. One, I think we're going to do more play action. I thought, especially as the as the day went on, more third, fourth quarter. We did a lot of play action. I, I think I counted third quarter alone. I think we had five play action passes. Um, I think that's going to become a little bit more of a, a staple of our offense um, going forward. The other thing, and it didn't really show because we didn't hit a lot of people downfield, but we did try to be more aggressive in, in sending. You know, tight ends down the scene, sending people down, you know, you know take them a, a few more shots down the field. Um, we didn't really throw them, but we did send a lot more people on more, uh, more aggressive routes down the field. So, you know, like I said before, we had, there was at least three times I can remember where either Font or Hawkinson broke wide open down the middle of the field and we just missed them. But, uh, they were there and those are things that they're on tape. I'm sure we'll look at them and see that those are, uh, you know, things that, that we're going to be looking for so so schematically i thought those were two things that kind of jumped out at me a little more uh play action and a little more willingness to to send people down the field and hopefully take some shots down the field and you know the thing i really hope for with ferentz you know he was part of that patriots dynasty for a few years and the thing that always amazes me about the patriots team is how good they are at exploiting mismatches and that's a week in and week out thing there's times when they uh are a, a running team and they run the ball 40 times with Garrett Blunt. there's other times where they don't run the ball at all and they just exploit and, and nitpick people to death. You know, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to uh, find mismatches, you know, Vandenberg or, or the tight ends or, or, you know, getting Wadley in space, you know, and I think Ferris will do that. I think he's a little more willing to, you know, exploit people from week to week and change game plans week to week. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case, but – uh you know, like you've you've mentioned it a couple times. The problem with being able to do that is you you've got to have the personnel to do that. And boy, the wide receivers are uh, <laughs> a major, major problem, Trent.
1: Yes, it really is. Now, you were all about one of the things that you took away. You're uh, you're have a man crush on Noah Font. You're all about him. Tell you what, though, there was a couple of plays where he completely whiffs still on blocking. He's got a long ways to go there.
3: Yeah, but I I, I watched it. You know, not only was I there, I went back and watched kind of at least a portion of it on, on tape as well. To me, the thing with him is he seems to be a willing blocker. He, he's just not a great blocker. I mean, mm-hmm. but he's he's at least trying, you know, he's getting in there. There were a couple times, and I agree with you, he looked bad a couple times, but he also looked really good a couple times. I remember there was a fourth and one where he did his job, kind of sealed the corner and, uh, um, young broke probably a 10, 12 yard run and a couple other times where he, uh, he at least got, uh, Got in there and battled. So, but I I think both Font and Hawkinson, I was really impressed with both of them. They both are they're athletic. They're talented. Um, they're going to be able to create some mismatches, and we're going to have to use them because I just don't see any mismatches at the wide receiver position unless uh, Smith gets his head on straight and, and Vandenberg gets back healthy. So, but the they just watching it. Anybody could tell that there wasn't a single Division One wide receiver on the field on Friday night. they just the options just weren't there.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right on that one. Uh, Hawkinson's a guy I loved his take coming out of high school. I remember getting highlights for the high school stuff that I did seemingly every night of him going up and making big plays. I think he's got a chance to be good. Tight ends incredibly deep. you got Picard and Whiting. You know what they can do in the run-blocking game. they got so many pieces. Was Niske coming back, Cook? The tight end position, I have a feeling we're going to see an awful lot of two tight end sets this year.
3: Yeah, and my guess, and this is just purely a guess, it's not based on any inside info or anything, but my guess is Sean Beyer will end up being moved to the wide receiver position, okay. at least temporarily between now and the fall, for next fall. I don't think it'll be a permanent switch, but right now, you know, he's a good athlete, but he's he's not big enough at this point, I think, to contribute at tight end. Obviously, there's, a, like you said, there's a log jam at tight end, um, and we need big wide receivers, you know, even assuming Vandenberg comes back, you're looking at, you got, you know, people like Vandenberg, Easley, Connor Keen, Devontae Young, all those guys are, are probably built more for the slot than anything. And, you know, I think we cross our fingers and hope that Germany Smith comes back. But I think we've seen enough of these situations to think that realistically he's probably not coming back. Yes. You know, once, once they get in the doghouse, um, even if he is back, you know he's just not going to have the trust of the coaching staff at this point so just pure guess but my guess is Sean Byer gets moved to the wide receiver and we we try him there as a, as a big wide receiver for a year or two since we've clearly got uh, a long jam at tight end
1: and then you got to hope that some of the true freshmen can show up and and you need one or two of those guys that can show up and play right away Brandon Smith the big kid from Mississippi is the one that a lot of people are talking about, but we've seen surprises before. You mentioned Vandenberg. When he was a gray shirt candidate, he comes in and plays right away as a true freshman. So I'm sure there'll be a surprise. Maybe it'll be a Max Cooper. It'll be Henry uh, Marques. It'll be one of those guys that'll come in that nobody's really anticipating and at least get some snaps out there as a freshman and hopefully uh, guys that can pick things up very quickly. And you know, You're know, you not asking a ton, but if you can get a freshman that can come in, catch 12, 15 balls and, and help at one side, one of the outside positions, you got something there in the eye offense
3: well they're definitely going to have the opportunity that's for sure because like I said there wasn't a single d1 wide receiver on the field on, on Friday night it was uh pretty alarming to watch it was you know it's pretty shocking how uh, a, a team a major major big Ten team can have that major of a problem in a wide receiver position I mean there's just nothing there right now so there's a lot of opportunity for people to step up and, and take advantage of it let's see well, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens
1: so you're telling me you're not overly enthused about the Nick Easley era?
3: Well, I, I think Nick Easley uh, is what he is. He's, uh, <laughs> he, he's a a 5'10 uh, kid who played well at, at, at Iowa Western. If we can get 15, 20 catches out of him, that'd be fine, but he's not the uh, – He's not the answer to our problems.
1: All right, we'll take a quick break here. Back with more. Listening to Degenerate Hawkeyes. Myself, Trent Condon, my buddy Biz, talking little Hawkeyes here. Special presentation on 1700 KBGG. Back with more from the Wolf Construction Studios.
0: The big games play here. Westwood One Sports. On Des Moines Station for News Talk Sports. 1700 KBGG.
1: The weather's warming up, and it's time to think about your spring projects. Wolf Construction Roofing can take any roofing job, large and small. Flat roofs, sloped, or pitched. The guys at Wolf Construction will do a wonderful job for you. Most single-family home projects are completed in one day, and your property is left in better condition than they found it. Wolf Construction will do their best to honor you with timely communication, a job well done, and a price that's fair. It's Wolf Construction Roofing. Call BJ Bengard today, 515-225-8866, or check them out online, wolfconstruction.net.
4: It's a family membership add-on special. It's Aspen, West Glen, Town Center, West Des Moines.
5: Kubota's Orange Opportunity sales
0: event is going on now. Get commercial-grade performance and a full four-year factory warranty at a price you can afford with a new Commander Zero-Turn mower. Now get special promotional pricing of $38.99 with zero down and zero percent financing for up to 48 months. Now through May 31st, 2017. Call toll-free 1-800-794-4992 for details about cost and terms. For complete warranty details, see Kubota.com or
5: your authorized Kubota dealer. Come see Jake at Capital City Equipment in Des Moines, just off I-80 on 2nd Avenue.
2: Papa John's. Trans Papa Logistics is hiring Class A drivers for our location in Des Moines, Iowa to deliver to our restaurants. We service regional routes with quality home time and top pay for the industry. Papa John's offers a full benefits package and a $5,000 sign-on bonus. We require at least two years of Class A driving experience. Join the Papa John's team today as a company driver. Call 844-378-7272 or apply to our website, papajohns.com slash careers. Papa John's is an equal opportunity employer.
1: This is Rob Doheny with Next Generation Realty. Welcome to the best real estate market since 2008.
0: Why pay those overpriced 5 6 or 7% commissions? Next Generation
1: Realty offers a flat fee as low as 39 dollars and you get top exposure on zillow trulia plus all the services of a licensed real estate broker the results
0: speak loudly we've saved our home sellers over 35 million dollars call next generation realty first 224-9900 save thousands hiring is the most challenging part of my job it's really hard the searching the sorting through resumes most people don't have the right experience
4: We started using ZipRecruiter about three months ago. Right from the start, you could tell it was gonna make hiring a lot easier. One click and my job was posted to 100 plus job boards, all the top sites.
0: All of the candidates came to my dashboard and it's easy to compare them. Thumbs up if I like them, thumbs down if I didn't. No emails and attachments, printing up docs, phone calls, none of that. And I couldn't
4: believe the number of great applicants we got. I had the person we needed within one week. I
1: don't know how we hired before ZipRecruiter. Whether you're looking to fill one position or 20, find the best candidates with ZipRecruiter, where your job is just one click away from 100-plus job sites. ZipRecruiter, the fastest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash talent. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash talent. ZipRecruiter.com slash talent.
0: Call your local dealer now. Switch to DirecTV today and start enjoying the nation's number one satellite TV service. Call Rockstar Satellite at 515 262 STAR. That's Rockstar Satellite at 515 262 STAR. For us 24 month TV and 12 month internet agreements and combined billing, new approved customers only must remain active and in good standing on all services or then prevailing rate supply in second year. Prorated ETF up to $480 for TV, $180 for internet, Equipment non return, and other and conditions apply. Call for details. Offerings ends 21 17. Back to the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. It's Jimmy B and TC. All
1: right, back one final time. Got my buddy Biz on. We're going to talk more Iowa football here. What we saw at the spring game Friday night over at Kinnick. And also uh, coming up here a little bit later on. You're going to hear the expertise. Uh, my buddy, Biz, that I, I do the Degenerate Hawkeye show with, he is also a lawyer. So he's going to give us some insight into the Jane Myers case as we continue on here from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Well, over on the other side defensively, uh, things look very good over there. And the, the takeaway that I walked away on the defensive side, Biz, was that the depth that is being built already there is incredibly good. We know the senior linebackers are all back, but the the depth is looking solid back behind those guys. And uh, the question marks that were out there at the safety position after the injury to Brandon Snyder, cornerback looks good, Jervas looked good, as you mentioned. Overall, this defense has a chance to be really salty. It all comes down to what do they get in the middle? What do they get at D-tackle?
3: Yeah, and... The thing you talked about depth. I I was impressed with their defensive line depth as well. I mean the thing that I will always talk about is that they love to have, you know, six or eight defensive linemen rotating through and, and unfortunately they never can do that. They just don't have the depth to do that. But with obviously with Epinesa coming in, you've got uh you know, Hesse, most Nelson's, um, budget are all coming back. Um I was really impressed with Lattimore. I think he's got a chance to be Good this year, and eventually great. I mean, I think he's in that same mold as, as the Carl Davis and Jaleel Johnsons, where you know he'll take his lumps his first year, but he's going to be a, a star down the road. The other two guys, I, I was really impressed with, who unfortunately are probably still a year away from really contributing. But I thought both Chauncey Goldston and, and Brandon Simon really looked good. They, they both uh, they are they're some talented defensive linemen, and they're going to be, I think, contributors down the road. Also, both of them need probably another year bulking up and, and working with uh, the weight program. But uh, they showed some flashes, and, and they clearly uh, have some talent. So uh, I think you're right. Defensive tackle will still be a, a struggle this year. We badly need budget though to be, be fully healthy and yeah. be kind of the anchor there. Um, but there's talent there. And, and you know, they're going to be able to be, I think, as creative with the defensive line as they have in years because you've got some position flexibility. You know, Epinesa can probably do a little of both. Matt Nelson can do a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think they can be creative and do some different things. The defensive line that we haven't been able to do in the past.
1: Yeah, and and that's a good thing. And then you talk about a guy, you know, in the Raider package or whatever they kind of do there, third and long situations. Uh, you know, very impressed with Amani Jones. That's a kid that can go out there and make some plays and do some different things at the linebacker spot. A lot of flexible pieces, and that's a good thing to see in something uh, that you look at. it. And you mentioned Chauncey Golson. I was right there with you, incredibly impressed with what he was uh, able to do out there defensively. Uh, Gervas looked pretty solid out there. I really didn't get any takeaway from Miles Taylor after losing his job a year ago, got hurt. Uh, Then we saw the ascension of Anthony Gare, who played incredibly well down the stretch there. Do you see anything out of Taylor, kind of same old, same old? Your thoughts on him?
3: Well, he didn't play a ton, because actually, Hooker was the backup for both safeties. So he came in for Javas a little bit, and he came in for, for Taylor. And There was a decent stretch there, kind of second and third quarter. He was in a lot for Taylor, so I don't know if that means that Taylor's just got the position locked up and and the coaching staff didn't need to see him much or or the hooker is really pushing him for the position. But, uh, Taylor didn't play a lot. I would guess he only played maybe, maybe 40% of the snaps, but when he was in, I don't remember him being uh, a liability or a a major, uh, contributor either. So two other guys on defense, Trent, that I, I don't think either one of us have ever mentioned that I was impressed with. Um, Christian Welch at the backup at, middle linebacker i was really impressed with him I, I thought he was a guy who uh just a nose for the ball he was really quick to the ball he seemed to anticipate things really well my guess is he is the uh the heir apparent to, to Josie, and hopefully he can uh learn from the best this year and be ready to go next year but i, I thought he was impressed and i've never really gotten an opportunity to see him the other guy who, who just switched to the position a week or two ago but uh Noah Clayber, oh, the uh, great shirt guy, that moved Biz. over to safety.
1: You stole my guy. That
3: guy, he obviously, he obviously doesn't really know what he's doing yet. Yeah. But man, did he fly to the football! There were two or three times where uh, he came from across the field, made a heck of a play, and all of us that were sitting together kind of looked and said, "Who the heck was that?" And I think each time we asked that, it was always Claybird. Mm-hmm. I mean, he—he's uh, obviously new to the safety position, and he's, and he's probably not going to contribute this year. But man, down the road, he's got a chance because. He just, he flies to the football.
1: Well, and if they're able to redshirt him, think about that. I mean, this is a guy that was a gray shirt kid coming in. Uh, was turning heads when he was at running back before he made the move over to safety. He's an incredible athlete. And another thing, going back to, you know, all the high school work that I do, watching this kid, he is just an epitomizes the word football player. You know, much like a Josie Jewell, a guy like that, that you just look at and say, I don't know how it's going to fit. I don't know if it'll work at the D1 level when you look at him on recruiting tape, but this kid will play football and he'll play it at a high level. I love Noah Clayberg. And, and you talk about finding a diamond in the rough. Uh, another tip of the ball cap over there to the Iowa coaching staff and what they do in-state. Noah Clayberg, that kid is going to be a stud. He's going to be an All-Big Ten player before it's all said and done. And, and he's got five years to play with, if if need be, here, if they can redshirt him this season. Love that guy.
3: Wow, Trent, All-Big Ten player. Oh, that's, yes, uh, yeah, he's awesome. Quite the endorsement. So I, I will say, Trent, if he does the, the gray shirt followed by the red shirt, that means he is officially on the uh... – Jeff Settle's plan. He'll <laughs> right. be he'll be 24 years old when he graduates, so uh, that, that can't hurt having having a 24 year old back there playing in a few years.
1: So. No, there's there's no doubt. So defensively, we're feeling good. You mentioned probably the biggest thing: budget has to be healthy. Lattimore, I mean, can you anticipate Lattimore playing 600 snaps? That seems like a lot for a guy still that young in his career as a true sophomore. Riley Reef, maybe in the middle, some help there. Brinks, you can maybe move inside. I guess it also can come down to Matt Nelson, how bad that injury is, with the six foot eight frame, if he can play with leverage inside, and also AJ Epinesa, Uh how how much in the mix in the middle can he add to? They have pieces. They they. A lot of times we have these questions with Iowa football, and depth is such a concern that you really don't have an answer. It seems like at the very least, going into the summer, we have some answers here.
3: And yeah, the only area from the defensive perspective, where I think depth is a, is a major concern is the secondary. I mean, I, you know, obviously losing Snyder, that really hurts the secondary mm-hmm. depth to begin with. You know, like you said, clayburg has got a chance to be really good down the road, but he does need a redshirt year. Um, you know, Hooker is, is basically the backup at both positions right now. And then same with the cornerbacks. I mean, I think we've got three very good cornerbacks. I think Ragamba, Jackson, and Ojemudia, all three are very capable all three obviously going to see the field a lot. But after those three, I mean, it's basically a, a drop-off to, to nowhere. I mean, those three need to stay healthy because otherwise you're looking at uh, basically walk-ons or, or, or true freshman options coming in. So so I, I don't have any real depth concerns at the defensive line or linebacker at all. But we, we need everybody to cross our fingers and everybody stays healthy at the secondary because with, with Snyder going down already, that uh, makes an already – questionable position very questionable in my mind i think the talent's there um you know there's a major difference in the secondary and the wide receivers because to me the wide receivers there, there's no depth and there's no talent currently um but the secondary there's talent there's just a lack of depth
1: yeah and there's there's no doubt about that all right special teams and we are the official podcast of ron kalozzi rock and rod our boy from a year ago Trent, have you signed up for the camp yet uh, I'm working on the leg strength first. I, I'm trying to see if I can get punts into uh, the neighbor's backyard before I go over there and embarrass myself.
3: I don't understand why the Jimmy B and TC show would not be a a <laughs> a, a major sponsor and b a uh, broadcasting live from that show. There, there's no reason there's, you shouldn't be all over this
1: thing, Trent. On the road. That's a that's a great call there. Hanging out with Rock and Ron for a day. That sounds like my kind of an afternoon, hanging with rock and rod, and firing off some footballs, and uh, seeing what else is going on in that kooky guy's brain. How about uh, how about what you saw? Now there was no pass rush, there no punt rush, I guess I should say, but got off some good punts. Rastetter looked solid once again.
3: Well, and it was a relatively windy night. I mean, it wasn't like you know thirty mile an hour winds, but there were ten fifteen mile an hour wind gusts, and you know there was never truly a. A shank or awful punt anywhere in the mix, you know. Like you said, it's there's no pass rush, there's no pressure, but uh, you know, every one of their punts was, I'd say, forty yards or more. So I, he didn't uh, he didn't embarrass himself, let's put it that way. So he's got a long ways to, to go to to even cover half the shadow of Rock and Ron, but uh, he's off to a good start at least.
1: So uh, kicking game didn't see anything. Well, we saw extra points, and that was it. No field goal attempts, right?
3: No, and I'm not sure they even, because there was a couple times they were, you know, in that 30, 35-yard range, and they clearly were setting it up to go for it on fourth down. There was a couple third and four, third and fives, and they they, they ran it most times, I think, trying to set up, trying to get to fourth and two and then go for it. So I don't think there was ever even a consideration of the kicking game. So my assumption is that means that they had decided beforehand they were not going to mess around with field goals and Maybe something they hadn't even really worked on in camp a ton, as far as you know, doing the actual field goal setup. Because obviously, the coaching staff has to know that Duncan's got the job, and don't need probably wasn't a major focus, I would guess, in the spring. So didn't get to see him, but I I believe—I could be wrong—but I believe all the extra points were made.
1: Yes, they were. I do know that portion of it. So with that, anything else, special teams? We're we're good. We're good.
3: No, I, you know, everybody. If you didn't watch the uh, telecast, uh, everybody talked about the fact that Wadley did not play, which is technically not true because he did catch the first two punts, which I'm really truly hoping that means he is going to be our punt returner. You and I talked about it last year, Trent, but I thought the main selling point this coaching staff had to get Wadley back here was to tell him basically you're going to be our Christian McCaffrey. You're going to be the kicker turner you're going to be the punt returner you're going to catch five balls out of the backfield you're going to carry the ball fifteen to twenty times you're going to get 2,000 all-purpose yards, two thousand all purpose yards twenty five hundred all purpose yards you're going to be that guy, and it certainly looks like that's something they've said to him because you know Ferentz has hinted that he may be coming out of the slot occasionally. He was the number one guy catching punts you know i i just i really hope. We use him in every possible way because clearly we're going to need him in every possible way. That doesn't mean he needs to touch the ball forty times a game, but he does need to touch it twenty-five. It's a
1: good plan. I mean, you can't you can't have Akram Wadley carry the football three hundred twenty times. I mean, that's that's not the way the guy is built. You get him in space, you get him different areas that way, and punt returns, kick returns. Uh, we saw it last year in the Michigan game, getting him involved in the passing game. Those are things that certainly uh, need to happen. I completely agree with you right there. So as we roll through here, uh, 2017, uh, it's, it's been odd because as I've talked to different people, both in the media and just fans in general of Iowa, seeing where people are with this team. The schedule is much more difficult this year. Where are the expectations? And I haven't got a wide range, as most everybody says, eh, Seven and five, eight and four, kind of right in there. Is that where you're at, or you you got different kind of expectations?
3: No, I, I went to the game on Friday with, with Stat Boy and my, my dad and my brother and a couple other guys, um, and, and Statboy Boy and I kind of looked at each other on the way out. We both kind of uh, agreed that this looked like a seven and five team.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and a couple reasons for that. One, there's just too many unknowns at this point. You know, the wide receivers are a major problem, Um. You know, the defensive tackle area that we've talked about is, is usually when Iowa doesn't have a, a strong up-the-middle defensive tackle, we, we struggle a little bit. Um, and the question's in the secondary. There's enough questions there that, you know, 7-5 is realistic. The other reason 7-5, I think, is realistic is we got a tough schedule this year. I mean, we play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State from the uh, the other side. We're, we're, we're not getting Indiana, Maryland, or Purdue this year, and so – you know, we could have a really good year, and realistically, nine and three is probably our ceiling this year with the schedule. Because you've got, uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, and then you got to go to Nebraska, to Wisconsin. Um, that's not an easy schedule by any means. So that doesn't mean uh, we, we can't do better. But right now, based on what I saw on Friday and what I see kind of going forward, you know, I think seven and five is probably realistic. Uh, realistic for this team. Anything above that's probably. Uh, you know, a good year in my in my opinion. But you know, if things break right and you get Vandenberg back healthy, you get Jeremy Smith back, a couple of the freshman wide receivers come in and contribute. You, you never know. So, but that's my that, that's my gut feeling at this point coming out of spring ball. Is it looks like a seven and five football team?
1: That that's right where I'm feeling. Of course, uh, the crossovers that you mentioned, non conference schedule is uh, that Wyoming game. That's no joke to kick things off. You're at Iowa State this year uh in conference when you're playing your division mates. This year you get Wisconsin-Nebraska on the road. So you kind of put all those things together, and the schedule becomes that much more difficult. And if the quarterback play continues to be a question mark, if they don't get answers at wide receiver, say Germanic Smith doesn't come back, Vandenberg has lost a step because of those foot injuries, all these things kind of coupled together, it could slide down very quickly from what looks to be even a 7-5 and five year and it could be five and seven and this team might not be as bad as a five and seven team normally would look, but the schedule I think is that difficult for Iowa this year.
3: No, I agree with you. And you know, I always talk about it I talked about it last year, I'll talk about it, I'm sure again in the fall, but we've got to find a way to get through the non conference schedule unscathed. We, we got we gotta be three and zero, And that's you know, I think last year, you know, losing to North Dakota State you know, was a good football team, but let's be honest, it's a team we needed to beat, um, and, and we should have beaten. And we just weren't ready at that point in the year, and didn't play very well early in the year. We've got to find a way to get through those first three games unscathed. Or, or, or I agree with you; it could be uh, one of those years where things kind of uh, snowball. And because you know, there's no uh, there's no parts in the schedule where you look at and say that's a that's a gimme. There's basically one gimme on the schedule: um, North Texas. And other than that. Uh, there's 11 games where you can make a pretty strong argument either way, win or lose. So you got to win those first three and then go from there.
1: For people that don't know Biz, you have a little background in law with the ongoing lawsuit with Jane Meyer. You can provide a little bit of expertise here, and we'll do that for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the day. Okay,
3: here's Biz's Beat of the day. <sighs> Yeah, Trent, like you said, people may not know this, but I am not actually a, a professional podcaster. <laughs> you know, it's shocking, but uh, during the day, my, I do pretend to be an attorney. So uh, I watch the case, obviously, with a lot of interest. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know how it's going to turn out. Um, but I can shed a little bit of light on, on a couple of things that have just absolutely amazed me about the case. Um, number one, it just absolutely baffles me as a trial attorney how the University of Iowa let this get to trial. Um, the one thing I've done, I, I think, quite well in my career over the past 15 years, is that when I've gone to trial, I've been confident that there are cases that are, are very winnable cases, and there are cases that are uh, you, you know you take you pick and choose which cases should go to trial and which cases need to settle. And, and to me, this is a case that in every aspect. Just screamed that it needed to be settled out of court because this is a case that the University of Iowa has already lost. They, the publicity and the the bad PR that's coming out of this case already, for the university, and it's only going to get worse over the next month or next week because you've had Barda on the stand for, I believe, it's day four today. The next four or five that are going to have to come to the stand because Barta testified yesterday that all of these complaints that he got are verbal, that he never put them down in writing. He never put reduced anything to a uh, – he never put anything down in writing at all after the conversations. So they're going to have to bring up every single coach that they brought up in the, in the testimony. You're going to have to hear from fairness You're going to have to hear from Brand. Uh, you're probably going to hear from Bluter. You're going to hear from, from everybody that had complaints about uh, – Meyer over the years, and to me that's just a a publicity nightmare for the University of Iowa. We don't need Tom Brands on the stand for a day because uh, I think people know Brands is a bit of a loose cannon. He's probably going to say something on the stand that's not going to come across the way he intended it to, and so that's number one. It absolutely baffles me that this is a case the University of Iowa let go to trial. It's one that, that needed to be settled well before it got to this date, and my understanding is they never made a single offer. To Jane Meyer at any time. So, uh, you know, it was known that never had even a chance of settling. Um, Second thing that just baffles me about the case, Trent, as a lawyer, is just the absolute lack of documentation by the University of Iowa. I mean, basically, it comes down to they had one negative performance review of Jane Meyer in 2014. Before that, there was nothing in her file except for positive reviews year in and year out. And all of the complaints, all of the issues that came forward with all the coaches. They never documented anything, and that's the one thing I tell every client in my cases is you know, generally the side that has the better documentation is going to win the case because when it comes down to it, when you have a he said, she said argument, if you've got documents to back up your side, you're in good shape. And At least now, it certainly looks like uh, Meyer's got the documentation, but the, uh, the university hasn't got to present their case. They'll do that next week, but uh, like I said, either way, this is one, to me, never, ever ever should have seen a courtroom. It should have been resolved weeks ago because the uh it's one the university loses either way
1: interesting, very interesting, and uh yeah, I like to get that insight because I have absolutely no legal background outside of trying to stay out of courtrooms. That's all I got going on this side, huh very good stuff, biz appreciate that
3: yeah well i I would say you know after saying all that I'll say it with a caveat that uh i have mo- Generally, all my predictions on this show have been wrong this year. So, so why stop with why stop with uh, gambling predictions, Trent? Let, let's yeah. go for legal predictions. So that means the university will probably come away somehow looking good after all of this, because uh, we'll see. But you know, like I said, the university has not got to present their case. But to me, you know, their case is going to be uh, an endless series of coaches coming up and and basically bad mouthing their their boss, and that just isn't a good look for the university in general. Because you know. Meyer has a very good attorney, and he's a guy who will—he uh, will. I'm confident he will get Tom Brands to say some things that, that maybe uh, he shouldn't say on the stand, because Tom Brands, uh, as we all know, is, is a is a volatile guy, and he's going to uh, state his opinion whether people like it or not.
1: Well, that will do it. Some insight into the Jane Meyer case. Talked a lot of Hawkeyes there here in the final hour of the show from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Back at it tomorrow at noon. Hope everybody enjoys your evening, getting ready, a little hockey tonight, NBA, and of course the baseball. We'll keep you up to date. We'll have you ready to go. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody, at noon.
0: Hey Des Moines, I'm Dave Ramsey. Join me every Monday through Friday from 9 till noon. Courtesy of Mediacom Careers on 1700 KBGG.
5: The Spot West Glen, a personal journey for the mind, body, and spirit. Treat yourself with massage therapies, including sweetest massage, deep tissue massage, and the signature service from the Spot West Glen, the West Glen Body Ritual. The Spot West Glen also provides injectables, facials, chemical peels.
4: It's a family
2: membership add-on special. It's Aspen, West Glen, Town Center, West Des Moines. See you soon. Another target run receipt reading.
1: Aw, so I got Market Pantry Cheese, two for $4. Cha-ching, cha-cheese. Oh, yes, and my organizing go-to, a huge box of Ziploc bags for $6.99. I mean, what's not to love about something you can use to store leftovers, random Lego pieces, and all my favorite Target run receipts. (laughs) right,
4: list conquered, Target run, and done. Get your receipt reading savings at
0: Target. Pricing may vary. Oh, oh. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two bottles of Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner and get one free. Clean clogged injectors and increase fuel efficiency with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
3: It's time for breakfast at Burger King. Remember at Burger King,
0: I got the three for 89 cent pancake deal? Yeah. I tried to take one. But the
2: 89 cents. Yeah.
0: You can spare one. I understand, but you know what I said. Well, you said respect the stack. And did you?
2: No, because I like pancakes.
5: (laughs) Respect that stat. Get three pancakes for just 89 cents. That's three fluffy golden pancakes for 89 cents now at Burger King. Here's another great breakfast deal. Two croissant sandwiches for just $4 only at Burger King. Limited time at participating
3: Burger King restaurants.
4: Do shine. Do love. This Mother's Day, the gift of Pandora from Jared, the Galleria of Jewelry, lets you do it all for mom. Stop in between April 27th and April 30th, and you'll receive a free Pandora
1: jewelry box with your Pandora purchase of $125 or more. Inscribed, always my mother, forever my friend, this jewelry box is the gift mom will treasure
4: forever. Do you love this Mother's Day? That's why he went to Jared. My supplies
5: last.
0: 1700 KPGG kicks off your morning with On Air with Doug, Jen, and Victoria.
4: I would want all of the police force to have everything that they would need at their fingertips.
0: Just because they say that they need it, that's enough. We need it, so please get it to us. And they give you the hometown scoop with Monk and Kelly. I didn't know you had a clothing. Line. Yeah.
4: Is it really made of bacon? Yeah. It's got the official bacon <laughs> yeah. stamp of approval. Smell it,
1: not scratch it, sniff.
0: News from around the globe with Westwood One. On Air with Doug, Jen, and Victoria on the Big Talker. 1700 KBGG 1700 KBGG Backs the Blue And we'd like you to back them too Each week, go to our website at 1700KBGG.com And nominate an officer who does an outstanding job Tell us why that officer deserves A special salute We'll select an officer weekly Share their story online and on the air And present them with a special certificate And bring their department Some Brugger's Bagels Help back the blue At 1700 kbg 1700 KBGG Des Moines, Accumulus Station. Big news, big talk, and big sports. 1700 KBGG Des Moines, Accumulus Station. I like it! Big news, big talk, and big sports.
4: This is Jim Rome with the CBS Sports Minute, brought to you by Ford Commercial Vehicles. Built Ford Tough. It's official, Marshawn Lynch is going to Oakland, as he tweets,